Hello and welcome to the Help Me Understand podcast. Help Me Understand is a weekly podcast that explores the context behind the things that we experience from day to day. With topics ranging from personal development to parenting to health and fitness and more, join me, your host, J.K. McLeod, as I share my thoughts and also host conversations that are meant to encourage you to say, help me understand, in an effort to add perspective to the things we experience in everyday life. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Help Me Understand podcast. I'm your host, J.K., And this is going to be a very quick intro as this is a collab episode with my friend Kelly Lutz, more affectionately known as Coaching Klutz. If you are not familiar with Kelly, she has been on the podcast uh, a couple of times. Yeah, two times so far. And in one of our podcast episodes that we did together, and I've also been on her podcast, The Multifaceted Athlete, we talked about the idea of starting a podcast together. And that is still something that we intend to do. And we still have yet to name it or anything like that. So this episode is appearing both on the feed here, obviously, for the Help Me Understand podcast, and also will be available on her feed for her podcast, The Multifaceted Athlete. So uh, today we are talking about a host of topics, including intimidation in the gym and running groups. We talked about uh, influencers and our perspectives on that. We talked about training when you're traveling, whether for work or vacation or family. And then we ended up talking about 75 Heart, which was definitely not part of the plan. So without further delay, here is today's episode. I guess that's fine. I don't even know how to introduce this. Should we just say this is like, actually, I was thinking about this earlier and I thought it was kind of funny. We could call these the help me understand the multifaceted athlete. (laughs) That was, uh, that is really innovative. I'd ask you how you you. thought of, how you thought of that. And then um, you clearly just took the names of the two podcasts. I think normally when somebody does something like that, it's because they rhyme or something. So I'm going to be straight up with you. I think that one's going to get rejected. I thought, um, I thought my idea of, so I'm going to, well, clearly we're doing no intro. So it's hard to intro when it's going to be in two places, right? Yeah. So (laughs) can I give you some context when I sent you that message about the, the sarcastic name of naming the podcast, nothing in common? Yeah. Cause I didn't catch it. Yeah, I know. Well, it's <laughs> sometimes it can be hard to catch sarcasm via text, right? Sure. I I think. I don't know. I agree. Okay, just let me think that. So, I had I went back and I re-listened to the episode that we did about training considerations when you're sick. And one of the things that I noticed that I didn't notice the first time or second time around that I listened to it was very often we'd talk about a particular topic and I'd talk about how I'd approach it from a strength and physique training standpoint. And then I'd throw it to you with, okay, how about running? You're like, yeah, it's pretty much the same thing, just (laughs) maybe a little bit different. And so Mm -hmm. it was supposed my, my joke about naming the podcast, nothing in common was basically supposed to kind of be like a, a thought process of, we we don't have anything in common and then actually there's a lot that we do have in common so it was just kind of like a mm-hmm. hypocritical thing 
Since we do obviously have some things in common. So then that's why I then changed it to what about some things in common? And we're not going to figure it out now. So we'll just keep on moving. No. Yeah. Um, I get it now that you've explained it. You ever, you ever tried to explain something to somebody where you try to tell a joke and it doesn't land at all. And Mm -hmm. the classic, oh, well, you know, you had to be there. That's always the cop out for, you know, your joke just sucked. (laughs) So you had to be there. You had to be there. One day we'll have a, a title for these until then. Yeah. Until then (laughs) the crossover event (laughs) collab collaboration. Yeah, collab. That actually brings us back to influencers because they collab with people. They do. Yeah. So do you want to share your uh, what you were saying about when you hear the term influencer? Like what does an influencer mean to you? Yeah. So an influencer to me is someone on social media who has quite a big following. Or I guess maybe it doesn't have to be big, but like all the influencers that come to mind are like yeah. huge followings. And they do sponsored ads and brand deals and stuff. Okay. That's like their thing. Free products. Yeah. I, my, my view or my definition of influencer has now changed because Mm -hmm. similar, I, I used to have the same definition. I don't know if there's actually an an official definition. Maybe we should have the producer look that up. The producer that we don't have. (laughs) Um, And I used to think of it as an influencer was somebody who was essentially like selling their soul and um, promoting particular products or programs and different things like that, like advertisements, advertisements, essentially the social media version of a, of a spokesperson who was doing infomercials. Mm -hmm. And that's what I used to think of. And then as I've gone further and further in the industry, and I think something that, that, really hit me was when someone someone tagged me in something that I post I posted it and then they shared it in their stories mm-hmm. on their favorite influencers that they follow. Oh. Right. And my first reaction was wow, thanks for calling me a jerk. Like that's that was my first reaction. Yeah. And then I really thought about it and I thought to myself they they weren't actually saying that in a negative way. It was it was actually a list of like maybe four or five other coaches, and those were other coaches who, to be straight up with you, I didn't necessarily see myself in that same category. But I was happy to take the perceived compliment, and it caused me to start thinking about this whole term influencer very differently. And then if you think about it, where do yeah, so I'll, I'll ask the question. They say you should never ask a question that you don't know the answer to, <laughs> like what the really? person's going to say. Yeah, some uh, people. Well, some on podcasts that's a, or in general. That's a thought process for podcasts and interviews and things more like interviews, like when you're interviewing a guest, whether it's podcast, TV show, whatever. Oh. Like something that could completely go left, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, what's your follow up going to be with that? Um, and I'm Wait, still going to. Can ask we pause that. there for a second? Do you? Yeah follow that because no, I don't <laughs> not at all not at all because I'm not trying I don't because I'm not trying to control the yeah. answer uh in a way that I'm trying to get the guest to say something that I agree with and I'm not trying to push a certain agenda so yeah. I actually want the opposite so I agree. also keep in mind when I'm saying you know they say who is they 
probably two articles that I read one time. <laughs> Fair. So uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so the question that I, the question I'll ask you is, uh-huh. would you, would you say that at least 50%, some random number, at least 50% of the products uh, or serve and or services that you have invested in have been a result of also getting an opinion or feedback from friends, family members, whoever on their use of said product, or even somebody you, you know, like somebody in your running group has a certain pair of shoes. And so you're like, you know, those might be something good to try like that sort of thing. Over 50%. At least let's go at least 50. Um, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I do a lot more research online. Like maybe someone suggests a product. Yep. But I won't just like blindly buy it. Fair. Off of their word, you know? Okay. Fair. Especially like if we're talking about running stuff. Yeah. Like. And then when you research it online, where do you go? Now I'm curious. We're going down a rabbit hole. Oh, it depends. Okay. Um, I mean like REI is having their big sale right now. So. Okay. I mainly look for places where there will be reviews. So I can okay. see, I guess, what other people think. And, and who, <laughs> I, I promise this wasn't trying to be a gotcha. It's it's one of those things where I had to scope out from the narrow lens that I had with the term uh, influencer and mm-hmm. think to myself, well, you know, it, a decent amount of the things that I purchase or the services that I invest in are influenced by particular people. And the people that I trust their opinion because I think they, you know, they do well in a particular area or they are people of good character, you know, whatever it is, I trust their opinion. So they tend, those are people who have an influence. So doesn't that make them then influencers? I suppose in the literal And I get, yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) Yeah. And I get that they're not getting paid for it and whatnot. I think, I don't know. I think that's, there's just something to be said for now people can be compensated for the things that they've already been doing. So I think now, now I just, you know, in the fitness space, now there's this difference between influencers and fitfluencers now. So now uh, from what I can tell, fitfluencers are more the people who are, um, they're obviously like in the fitness space, the thus fit fluencer. And also they're really in it pushing particular products and particular programs and things like that, that they might, might not necessarily even be doing themselves. So I Mm -hmm. think that's, that's a whole different thing. So I don't think, I no longer think of the term influencer as a, as a negative thing. I try and dig a little bit deeper just to, just to see, because I don't know, or maybe it's a story that I'm telling myself just to make myself feel better about that comment that I got. Yeah, I mean, I too. I don't think I would like it. Well, you called me an influencer and I didn't like it, so. All right. I, I mean, I, I hate to break it to you. However, <laughs> the things that you do may be well, influencing yes. other people. But I feel like, okay, so I think it's because we are coaches. So, like, my social media presence isn't just, like, me running, you know? Yeah. It's like my business I'm trying to 
portray my business and help people versus like influencers are just like, this is a vast generalization, but they're mostly just like, this is my lifestyle. This is what I do. And then people are like, oh, I want to be like you. I don't want people to be like me. I want Mm -hmm. them to want my help, you know? And I want Mm -hmm. them to be able to, to distinguish between like, she looks cool doing what she's doing versus she knows what she's doing and can apply her knowledge to me, you know? Ooh. Yeah, so this this uh this is a pretty um not double-edged sword. The word is escaping me right now. Um and not dichotomy. It's just the back and forth battle mm-hmm. because clearly like you know you know what you're doing and it's also if mm-hmm. you there's only so so much that you can that there's only not so far that that can take you. Cause that's definitely not what I mean. Um, I think I know what you're trying to say. Uh, what does my friend say? Um, it's hard to influence an empty room. So mm-hmm. the, and I, I kind of butchered that. And also that's kind of the way that I hear it. So you can have, you can know what you're doing. So you know how to coach strength and running performance. You know how to do those things knowing how to do those things and being able to communicate and connect with people so that they will give you the opportunity to help them do those things is I think where the, the internal struggle happens. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've been there, done that also occasionally revisit there pretty often with, you know, questioning or not questioning, I ask myself, okay, what's the intention of posting this? What's the intention of sharing mm-hmm. this? Um, Cause also I, I feel like I've got a pretty good handle on what I do. And also I realize that I can, if I do that down here in my basement by myself with no one that I'm sharing that particular skill with, it's making a difference for no one but me. So that's where the you know, there's, I've got a friend who, who really helped me out a lot with this and she's a branding consultant and she calls it like the difference between ethical and unethical sales mm. is really the thing. Yeah. She's a, she was, she's a boudoir photography educator. Whoa. She was, yeah, she was a boudoir photographer. And then people I think were reaching out to her to figure out like, so how are you so successful? How do you do what you do? And she had been through all the, the slimy sales presentations and all that stuff. And so then she is now on a completely different level where she now helps entrepreneurs like be able to sell ethically. So hmm. I don't know how we just ended up there, but there how we go. How do we ever end up where we end up? Yeah, I'm not sure. All right. <laughs> so. Um, so what should we talk about first? We've got a couple of things we wanted to touch on today. Yeah, I'm I'm really curious about the gym intimidation one. Okay. To start off with, if you're, yeah. um, I feel like that's a big that. one. Yeah, I'd. Um, I, let me share. Can I start off with sharing where my most recent experience came from? Absolutely not. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> it's been uh, it's been it's been real and it's been fun. Of course, you so. can. So, uh, where this most recently came up, cause this is, this is nothing new. So when we're talking about gym intimidation, uh, there's a different, a, a lot of different kind of angles that it can come from. So, and maybe we'll kind of talk about that too, the different, like kind of the different types of intimidation when it comes to 
either going into the gym or I know you had talked about like running groups, like just different things like that. So where this particular question came from was a conversation with one of my clients who is doing fantastic, by the way, like she, so started working with her in 2022, uh, right around middle of 2022, her previous, um, her previous, like, let's say two years, she had been training at home. So 2020, uh, she works a corporate job and they had to transition for a decent amount of time working from home. She had been in the gym prior to that, but uh, then, you know, gyms were in this kind of various states of open and not open. And so she decided to start investing in weights at home. She bought weights in 2020. From 2020 to 2022, she utilized those same weights. We started working together, and within about three months of working together, she realized that she could lift way heavier than what she was mm. lifting at the time because we started really focusing on uh, proper strength training. Then, so she did that once. Then she re she invested again. Like it was one of those things where I was like, "I'm really sorry um, that we're breaking the budget," but you know, I. And she was happy to do it, but mm -hmm. she invested in weights again. And then we recently had another conversation where she was like, okay, so I'm at the point again. And we're not, we're not talking like, you know, just she's going from, and this is not intended to offend anyone who's lifting these particular weights. Uh, this is just a win for her. And I'm not going to take that away from her. She was going from lifting five and eight pound dumbbells and that's what she had. And she felt like that was sufficient for the workouts that she was doing to then needing to upgrade to twenties, twenties, fives, thirties, and then now getting to the point where I want to say she even has like a 70 pound kettlebell or something like that. Like she's just Ooh. added a lot of different yeah things. And so there's a particular movement where she was like, this is really, I think I'm at the point now where if I want to progress this and get this in the lower rep range, then I've got to get into a gym. And we, we started talking about what was, you know, what were some concerns that she had, like what was holding her back from doing that. And she straight up was like, listen, he's like, I'm just really intimidated by the gym setting. And we boiled it down. Like we, we pulled some different layers back and it's unfortunately an all too common story of, uh, dudes who are, basically feel like they need to mansplain mm -hmm. to females that are around them. They, you know, talk to, talk to females in the middle of their workout or women in the middle of their workout, like all these different things. So that's where this initially came from because as I was talking to her, I prefaced it with, I completely understand that the perspective that I'm going to have personally is going to be very different first, because individually there's a big difference when very transparently, when I walk into a gym, it's very rare that I'm going to have some guy walk up to me and feel like he needs to explain to me how to lift the weight mm -hmm. or, you know, he doesn't respect, excuse me, he doesn't respect my space, like all that stuff. And then I also can at least maybe share the perspectives of other clients because I work with quite a few clients who've had that transition or whatnot. And so that's why I I thought hmm, this would be a good topic of conversation for us to have too, uh, because there's, for lack of a better way to put it, like there's going to be a certain perspective that I have that is not, not necessarily going to translate 
because of a, a, ver a myriad of reasons. Um, more often than not, in the in the scenario that she's talking about, like I'm a 240 pound dude, um, and I'm I mean I promise I do mean this like humbly. Who to most people they can tell that I work out for the most part. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's a little bit different. So me just saying to her, yeah, just tell them to go away, that it doesn't hit the same. So I have tips and things like that, but it just doesn't hit the same, you know? No, and so, they don't always listen. No, no, they don't. I also think there's a, well, we could, we could go into a whole thing, but let me cut myself off there. So I'm curious, you know, have you, have you experienced that before? As oh, yeah. As, there I'd is, love to hear um, about that. So I lift in a climbing gym, okay. partially because it's always empty, um, all partially because my husband used to work there, so and I used to climb there, so that was like convenient. But yeah, I haven't been to a regular gym in quite some time, and I did shortly after the pandemic. I joined a Vasa for okay. I can't remember why. I think I wanted some more cardio equipment or something, um, or maybe yeah, for pool. those. For those who aren't familiar, I'm familiar with that chain, but for yeah, those who are like familiar, you want to kind of gym. describe it. Yeah. Uh, it's like a 24 hour yeah. situation. It's just the closest gym to me. We also have a lot of 24 hours, but um, I went in a couple of times and like, well, one, I wasn't familiar with that gym. So that just adds another layer of the intimidation because you're like, where is everything? Um, and then I went at a busy time. I think because I was still working in corporate, so it must have been after work. Yep. Which is the bad time. <laughs> That's when everyone is there, all the dudes are there, which like they have a perfect right to be. Um, and then it's just even more intimidating to like find your bearings while it's crowded everywhere and trying to figure out where you can go. And one thing that I've struggled with, which I'm curious if you take into account, which I think you do is when you're like following a strength plan and it'll be like superset something, but it's things that are not anywhere near each other. And like, yeah. if you go at a crowded time, you can't do that superset because that's just one, right. it's kind of rude to take up two machines or places in a busy time. And two, it's like really uncomfortable. <laughs> to be like, Oh, let me go do my set over here, but please don't touch this while I'm gone. Right. Um, so yes, definitely have experienced it. And that's partially why I tried to, when I make my own workouts, I try to do something where I can stay in one location and like snag a bench and a dumbbell, do everything, do another superset somewhere else, that kind of thing. Yeah, same. So uh, one thing that you mentioned that uh, I, I will definitely, I want to dig into a little bit more. One of the things that you mentioned was one, familiarity with the layout. So one aspect of that intimidation factor can be you know, familiarity, comfort with where everything is and stuff like that. So in, in talking to this same client and multiple clients that I've had in the past, and I would recommend this really for anyone who's getting into either a new gym or a new area, like anything like that. One, visit the gym at the time that you plan to go to that gym. I think at this point, mm -hmm. and we're talking just for context, we're pretty much talking like big box type of gym. So, you know, if you're talking more of like a CrossFit box that has open gym hours or, you know, a climbing gym like yours, it also has like strength equipment, like different things like that, maybe a different ball game. Uh, 
so for the context of this, we'll we'll talk like general big box gym, um, where it's like machines, cardio, maybe some classes, all that stuff. So I always recommend go, you can usually get a free pass for at least a week and go check it out at the time that you actually plan to go to that gym and do it. I'd recommend doing it a couple of times that particular week so that you can get an idea of the crowd one, Mm -hmm. because your crowd, like I, I routinely train very early in the morning. Uh, Now I don't spend a lot of time training in a big box gym. I train at uh, a barbell club and uh, there's also a CrossFit box adjacent to that under the same, under the same ownership. So it's a little bit different from my current situation. However, I know that big box gyms that I have visited and when I used to belong to a big box, big box gym, like that's where I started off the crowd in, at 5am, very different than the crowd at 10am, which is very different than the crowd at 5pm. And then I used to, uh, when I worked out, when I worked in Chicago, I would sometimes go at like, it would be after work after I closed down my store. So I'd go, go in and train at like midnight, like 11 Mm -hmm. PM or midnight. And that crowd is very different too. Actually that time Mm -hmm. of the night, it was mostly like, um, law enforcement, cab drivers and factory, Mm -hmm. like shift workers. Cause they were getting either getting, most of them were getting like off of their shift. PS like shout out to personal trainers who train people at midnight. Cause there were multiple of them. At that oh time, God. did that? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, though. You know, it does. you want to meet your clients, so that's what that's what you do. Um, but I would definitely say do that to get a an idea of who the crowd is, and then also I recommend going in there and going in there just to walk on the treadmill for mm-hmm. you know for a couple of days to give yourself time to acclimate to the environment. It'll give you time to really look around to see where different machines are and things like that. Like if you, if you're even concerned about walking around looking like you don't know what you're doing during the middle of your workout, then don't make the first time that you go there the first time that you're working out. Mm -hmm. So actually doing that. And then I would say the last thing that, that comes to mind off the top of my head is talk to the staff that's at the gym and it, it sounds so basic and uh, you might be surprised by how many people won't do that. Like they won't just, yeah, they just won't talk to the staff and introduce themselves and say, Hey, I'm looking at, you know, this particular gym and I have my program. Um, Is there someone, you know, a trainer or somebody who can just show me where these machines are? So as someone who used to train inside of a gym, I could definitely see, especially if you're in an environment that's very aggressive from a sales standpoint, I could definitely see that you may run across a trainer who doesn't want to show you how to do the exercises. Like that's your coach's job anyway, but mm-hmm. um, make it very clear. Like, Hey, I just want to make sure that I understand where all of these machines are. And, it, and then that at least gives you an opportunity to kind of get an, an idea Um, And for my clients, you mentioned the supersets thing. So for my clients, we don't, I don't superset two different machines. I I mean, that's actually like, and even not for, not for just my clients, even for the, the group programming that I do, when I do supersets, I specifically, if we're going to use something that's a machine, we, it'll be like, you're just changing the handle on the machine. Mm, yeah. So you're still using the same cable, but we're not going to do like a lat pull down and a leg extension. Yeah. 
because most gyms just have one lat pull down. Same thing with like, well, yeah. Again, I'm about to start getting into program design because <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. You're, I, I like that you brought up the supersets thing too. So usually I'll pair like a resistance based movement with a body weight movement, or I might pair two dumbbell movements back to back. So I will do something like that. Um, for people that I'm doing individual program design, I like them to do a walkthrough so that they can let me know because they're all over the place. I've got one client who actually, she had just let me know like, hey, it's actually kind of a weird setup here. It's like three different floors. And so the machines are on one, the oh. dumbbells are on the other, the barbells and barbell and squat rack functional area is on another. And then there's like a cardio spot like over in the corner. And I was like, what kind of gym design is this? And that is gotcha. wild. Yeah, it's like I got you. And also, wow, that's an interesting gym design. That seems not very functional to me. Well, or it's just um, like it's, it, fe it feels annoying to like have to go on three different floors if you aren't just doing barbell work or like just using oh, I, dumbbells. I agree. I yeah. Oh, it's it's. I'm not gonna lie. It's hella annoying. To have that sort of a setup, uh, by the way, if that client listens, you're not annoying. It's just the way that they decided to be <laughs> architecture. Like, she's great. Um, I think, I don't know that, um, I don't know that everybody is as aware that some gyms pay attention to their layout and some don't. Some of them mm -hmm. just, they're, uh, I wish I could remember his name because I would actually shout him out. Um there was a guy when I first got into personal training, there was a guy, I think, I think I connected with him through like a bodybuilding.com forum or something like that. That's how long ago this was. Um, <laughs> and he bought and sold equipment, uh, gym equipment. And he also specialized in gym layout, like machine layout. Mm. And I remember asking him like, Okay, well, that's it's like, oh, that's kind of interesting. So I was like, is that tough from a space standpoint and whatnot? He's like, actually, it goes a lot deeper than just what fits where or the, all the leg machines go together because he would go in in advance and he would hang out at that gym for like a week and mm -hmm. pay attention to how people were using the machines and things like that. And he said that he did this all over the country. And what he would notice is that people and this was back in 2015-ish, 2015 to 2017. So we're talking like a lot of workouts were coming from like Pinterest and YouTube, mm, yeah. stuff like that. Uh, so if people were, he could tell that they, you know, they were either trying to pull the workout from there or they didn't really know what they were doing. They would just, it would be one of those things where they walk up, they kind of look at the sign on the side of the thing that says what muscle mm -hmm. part it works and they do that. He said a lot of people will just work out it like in a row of whatever the machines, however the machines are laid out. Yeah. So kind of like how Planet Fitness, they actually like make a circuit of the machines. Yeah. But it's like that little area that they have. Very much just one after the other. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be something hmm. where he'd walk into a gym and he'd notice that people were doing that. So he would actually show the owner like, hey, I'm going to lay it out this particular way because you you shouldn't have somebody doing a hamstring curl and then they're doing calf raises and then they're doing leg press It's mm -hmm. like, it would make much more sense if we do the, have the leg press be like the thing that you see first or the Smith mm -hmm. machine or the squat rack. Cause you do your big compound type movement yeah. 
there. Then he's like, you know, your leg extension and your abductor adductor machine and your hamstring curl. He's like, those pieces are accessory pieces. So those should be in a different, different spot. I was like, okay, gotcha. And then I started paying more attention. I'm like, you are totally right. Yeah. Yeah. It can be wild how inefficient some layouts are. Yeah, I I would agree. So yeah, it's, I mean, I've heard some weird ones where there's the weight room and then you uh-huh. have to walk, walk through the pool area, like through the actual pool area to get to uh-huh. then like the, the functional training, like turf performance oh. type training area. So in that particular case, it was a gym where they started off as a traditional globo type gym. And then there was the rise of CrossFit and functional type training, and they didn't really have necessarily a great plan for that. So it was just kind of, Hey, here's where that's going to fit like that sort of a thing. So that can be really interesting from a program design standpoint is just like when I'm working with a one-on-one client, getting an understanding of gym layout. And sometimes, sometimes they feel like that's an unnecessary detail. I'm like, well, that could add another, you know, those things add up. You add another minute mm-hmm. here, minute there, minute here. Like we all of a sudden have just turned your 45 minute workout into like an hour and 10 minutes. So, yeah. yeah. So that's my, my sermon on gym layout, <laughs> gym layout in terms of intimidation. What do you, what kind of recommendations would you, would you have for, you know, your athletes if they're talking about being intimidated by the gym and it specifically has to do with people? Ooh, um, because that's one that I'll that I'll run into. Yeah, so I don't really get this question that much, mostly because we focus on running more. But I yeah. guess it can relate to. Well, no, I would say gym versus running groups. People would be different, but for the gym, um, I well, something that usually works for me is to like have your headphones in. Yeah, so that people ideally won't approach you (laughs) that doesn't always work um but because i don't want anyone to come talk to me especially if i'm like feeling uncomfortable or anything um but on the other end if you like make some friends that can also make it really a lot better experience um that'll happen i think over time especially if you go at the same time you see the same people like maybe strike up a conversation they probably know you too um but your first time in, obviously that won't be, unless you're that kind of person that just talks to people. Then you can probably make friends the first day. But I think a lot of us is just like not super comfortable to do that. Um, yeah, I think the the headphone thing is a. I think that's a universal, universal one. And I, you would think I would, yeah, I would tend to think that the majority of people would respect the fact that you see somebody's got you know earbuds in or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just to be straight up, it just sucks that it's not surprising to still get feedback from my clients uh, that they they still have like that one guy at their gym. And even I was just talking mm-hmm. to one of my other clients and I'm like, why is it always that there's that one guy, but there's never that one woman? Like, it, what are we do- What are we doing? So I texted another one of my friends and I was like, you know, do you have friends that are like this? Because I feel like if we, you know, me and you know people that are like this, it's our responsibility to be like, dude, stop being a douche. Like, stop being like that because it just, it's, I don't know. I just went off on a little bit of a tangent, but 
it just bothers me that we're still in 2023 and there's still that level of like disrespect because I've even seen dudes that'll like tap a woman on her shoulder while she's, while she's working out and mm-hmm. try to give her tips on, you know, you're doing this wrong or whatever it may be. So my, my advice in situations like that is to just tell the person like, Hey, I'm trying to work out and then put the earbud back in and keep moving. Like that's it. Cause they're, the, the flip side of that is there could be something where somebody is tapping you on the shoulder because there's something wrong. Like there's an emergency mm-hmm. or they saw that you're, I had one person, their water bottle spilled. So the person actually mm-hmm. meant well, you yeah. know what I mean? So it's not just a, if somebody taps you, ignore them every time sort of a thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely say uh, usually the advice that I have is, you know, you can acknowledge, acknowledge them and just say, hey, I'm, I'm working out. And then just keep on going about your business. You don't have to go into a long explanation. You don't have to apologize or I'll talk to you later because you know that's not the truth. You don't want to talk to them later anyway. So stop lying. So just you're there to, you know, you're there to train and then just let it roll. Um, I used to suggest like trying to talk to the staff. I still do suggest that. And also I understand that in a gym culture, usually um people that are like that, like the person who interrupts people during their workouts and things like that. Usually that person, unfortunately, is part of that gym's culture. It's like a regular Mm -hmm. that's been there for years and things like that. So, um, you know, I'd I'd love to say you talk to the staff and the staff will take care of it or talk to the owner and the owner will take care of it, like a big box type gym. But in reality, that doesn't tend to work all the time. It doesn't mean you shouldn't try. I would just say, you know, take it into your own hands, advocate for yourself, your training and get back to your, to your workout and then leave it at that. So, yeah. So you brought up the running groups thing though. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about this one because clearly I can't relate to that. (laughs) So I'd be, I'm curious what you meant by like the running group intimidation. So there are a lot of running groups that meet and go on group runs together. Um, but many runners feel too intimidated to join the group if they don't already know the group or like know people in the group. But a lot of people, a lot of runners want to find people to run with. So it's like going to groups is the best way to find people to run with, but it's also a gamble um, because some groups are like quite serious and, you know, they might be fast compared to what you want to run. So it can be hard, like, Am I going to feel welcome? Is it going to be too fast for me? Am I going to get left behind? Um, Will I even like these people? (laughs) That kind of thing. I think especially out here in Colorado, because like a lot of runners here are on the upper end of runners, you know, like in Boulder, everyone, not everyone, a lot of people are very fast. So if you run like even I, my easy runs are like between 10 and 11 minute pace, which for a lot of people, it's slow. For some people, it's fast. Um, in Boulder, oh. it's slow. That's a oh. generalization. That's not everyone in Boulder. But like a lot of the running groups I've seen in Boulder, when they go on group runs, it's like eight-minute pace kind of thing. Which like if I wanted to join that group, that's like a workout for me at that point. I feel um, like that's a sprint, but okay. <laughs> it is pretty <laughs> fast. Um, and obviously, that's not the case everywhere across the country. Colorado is, you know, it attracts very – Right. Athletic people um, who are good at their sports, 
not saying if you're slower, you're not good at your sport. Um, but that's a big thing. Like going to a new group one is intimidating if you don't know anyone. And then just unknown of like what the atmosphere is like and what paces they run. So uh, that's partially why I started my own group, actually. Yeah. So if if someone I could I could definitely see this as a scenario with, say, someone who either moves to a new area. So they're an experienced runner and they move to a new area and they'd like to be able to make runner type friends and whatnot. Yeah. You know, I make like squat friends. You make run your friends uh <laughs> where do you where do they even start with something like that um google is a great place Leg- legit like google running groups yeah like running area. group in my area yeah okay um or a lot of local running stores usually have like a weekly run group that just meet at the store and go from there um i know there's a myriad of ones around here whether it's running stores or like established groups like I have my monthly group, um, Trail Sisters, if you're a female, Trail Sisters is all over the country and they have a website with all of their chapters. Um, yeah. Or like Facebook. Most of them have Facebook oh. groups or Strava groups. Yeah. Lots of different ways to find the groups. Okay. Yeah. I know I've, um, I know the Fleet Feet here. I don't know if that's yeah. like a real big one still, but I remember, it is. I know that they were doing that for a while. So do they... Typically with running groups though, will there be different paces or does it all depend or it's just one of those, like it, it's, it sounds like it's very dependent, like yeah. just different. It just kind of depends. I think it depends. Um, I think the ones that go from running stores, actually I've never really gone to one, so I can't really speak on it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I think they do more of like, they try to be very welcoming and inclusive. Not that other groups aren't, but like yeah. pace wise. Um, okay. And then, like, for my group, I explicitly say, like, all paces are welcome and we will do run and there will be a run walk option because I know not everyone wants to run the whole time or, like, maybe they're not yeah. there yet. Because um, I find that's a big barrier, just being, like, if they're running for four miles, what if I can't run four miles kind of thing? Mm. And, like, a lot of people don't want to be the one who's like, hey, can we slow down? Or, like, yeah. I'm going to walk now, <laughs> you know? Right. Um. Which, yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, now my memory. <laughs> yeah, well, now my memory is, is somewhat, pardon the pun, my, I jogged, my, <laughs> jogged my memory. It's like an awful dad joke. Yeah, but it, it jogged my memory uh, from, remember when I, I told you that I'd done the Chicago half, like back mm-hmm. in 2013, I think that, that it was. Is that the one you like didn't train for? Correct. I I have never trained for a a running. No, let me walk that back. Let me walk that back. I did do a couple of Spartan races that I did train for. Oh. So I've trained for OC. Yeah. So I did train for OCRs. Uh, so switched up, you know, how I was training so that I could be prepared for that. Uh, and when I did, I did that half, which is the longest distance that I had ever done and whatever planned to do that I can tell in That's my life. Far. Uh, yeah, it, it is. Because previous to that, I had done a handful of 5Ks uh, here and there mm-hmm. to mostly to support a friend of mine 
that was in the Chicago area who was really big on that. And he's still really big on running. So it was a way for us to kind of reconnect and I could support him on his fitness journey. And it was my excuse for, okay, well, that's my cardio for the month, you know, like that sort of thing. And Chicago has tons of 5Ks, like so many. Um, Mm -hmm. But I I can't blame it all on him because there were a couple of times where I just signed up for one and just went ahead and did it. Because I was in a, I was in a heavy, heavy, like, I like t-shirts phase. So oh, yeah, that I is think, a good way to get them. Yeah. They, they had some really sweet t-shirts, um, mm-hmm. like the Bucktown 5k still to my, to my knowledge, I think they have some of the best swag, some of the best, uh, running swag. But anyways, I remember when I decided to do the Chicago half, they had also given us some information on different groups that you could, um, that you could sign up for to train for it and different things like that. But it was already too late at that point. Anyway, I signed up about four days before the race anyway. And then I finished it though. I got it done. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I, I I should try and find my time. It was pretty long. It's on a the guy, internet somewhere. Yeah. A guy was speed walking and passed me. Wow. Yeah. In khakis. He was wearing khaki pants. So I'm not totally sure if he was actually part of the race or what was going on. Cause it goes through like Chicago, uh-huh. like the actual city of Chicago. So it goes, um, there's a part where it go at that time where it went through a couple of neighborhoods, like near the, uh, not too far from like the South side of Chicago. And so mm-hmm. people were, it was a great scene. Like people were hanging out their window, you know, all that stuff like cheering. But I remember this guy just all of a sudden, like, zoomed past me and he was doing yeah he was actually power walking the whole thing and he had on a fanny pack and he had on khakis and yeah but i finished and that was my goal so so it matters then yeah Yeah. all right well any anything else on gym intimidation run intimidation group intimidation anything Mm, like that back to gym intimidation something that always helped me was to like and some of my athletes is to start in like one portion of the gym and get comfortable there and then gradually expand. I like that idea. Yeah. So like one of my athletes, her gym, I think it had like the freeways area with the barbells. And then there's usually like an, a room where they do the classes. Yep. And if it's empty, obviously you can go in it, which I always found was really nice because you feel a little more secluded and like not like people are staring at you, which yeah. you can, especially with like in the dumbbell areas when you have to stand in front of the mirrors and all the bros are also in front of the mirrors and you're like, you know, you're all staggered and you end up in front of someone you're like, this is kind of uncomfortable, even though you're probably not staring at me, but you know, especially depending on the movement you're doing, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Movements that you don't make eye contact on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Basically anything with gyrating hips. Yeah. Or even like RDLs can be very uncomfortable if you're in front of someone, you know? That's a fact. Yeah. Yeah. You're just reminding me why I'm blessed to train where I train because it's pretty much not, it's not any sort of, like nothing even close to that sort of environment. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, now when I did, and actually this will be a great, could be a potential great transition. Now when we went on a cruise uh, recently oh, and so I went to the gym there and first, fully decked out. And when I say fully decked out, this is not um, okay. So let's transition. We'll talk about training when you travel. Yeah. All right. So um, I I already knew what the gym would look like because it's modern 
birthday times and you can look these things up on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So fortunately, Kelly, there was an influencer who, who, yeah. So there was, uh, I was, we were cruising with Royal Caribbean. We were on the wonder of the seas. Mm -hmm. So I was able to just pop on to the interwebs and just type in Royal Caribbean, you know, wonder of the seas gym. And there was no shortage of YouTube videos of people doing walkthroughs of the entire gym, like that sort of a thing. So that was kind of cool to be able to know in advance what was going to be there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, what I, what was a, a, I was going to say wake up call. And really it wasn't necessarily a wake up call. I think it was more just a reminder because it's been a long time since I've been in a gym that was packed at any time because I go at off hours anyway like no matter what gym I go to, like a lot of folks are not typically there at the hour that I, the hour that I'll usually go in the morning. Mm -hmm. So that one definitely took some adjusting to get used to because it was like, you know, everybody had, it seemed like everybody on the ship had the same idea to get their workout in sometime between it opened at 6am, which Mm -hmm. I, that's usually actually a little later than I train, but it opened at 6am. So just about everybody was there or the gym was pretty much packed. I wouldn't say everybody cause there were 5,000 passengers, but the gym was packed starting at about six fifteen, six thirty, up mm-hmm. until about eight o'clock. So lots of folks, but the dumbbells ran from fives to a hundred. Nice. And then they even had multiple 25s, multiple, um, two pairs of 50. So whoever like props to whoever figured that out because they tried to double up on certain things. And then the machines, the whole machine layout, they had pretty much every cable based type machine. And then they had a couple of plate loaded machines for back, not like a leg press or anything, but they had like leg extension, the cable row. I mean, the Mm -hmm. whole functional trainer, it was fantastic. So shout out to Royal Caribbean. Nice job. Um, and though, so, um, we were going to talk about training when you travel. So mm-hmm. this is a common one that I will get for sure. Um, so I'm definitely also wanting to kind of get your input. Um, so one of the common things that I get is first, should I still work out when I do travel? So should I work out? And for each client, it's going to be very different. And also we tend to run through the same sort of filter. So one, it's, do you want to work out mm-hmm. when, you, <laughs> when you're training or do you want yeah. to work out when you're traveling? Like, do you want to? And this is, I understand that there's, there's the thought process of, well, you know, I'm committed to my goals, so I need to be consistent and different things like that. Yes, I understand that. That's just the price of entry. I, I get it. And also, do you want to work out <laughs> when you're, when you're traveling? Cause it's a bit of a different ball game. You know, so it's one, do you want to, and then you start running through like, what kind of, what kind of setup are you going to be working with? Um, And even for my folks that are traveling and their parents, so they're traveling with the whole family, like are things set up already? Like, is this something where you have, you know, partner support, uh, different things like that. Like, is this already something that's part of your routine or do you need to have a conversation in advance? Because I've, we even talk about just the detail of, okay, so if you normally train 
in the morning and your idea is like, Hey, we're not really doing any activities until, you know, everybody's going to kind of wake up at the time that they want to, and we'll go down and grab breakfast. We're not going to the, you know, the theme park or whatever until like nine o'clock. Okay. You have the time. Have you already discussed even like getting out of the hotel room mm-hmm. without like waking everybody up? And then there's the one, one kid who's like attached to the one parent. So it's like, if they're not there, then all of a sudden, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's yeah. even things to think about. So I start with, do you want to work out and what sort of systems do you have in place to help you train when you do, uh, when you do travel? So just even starting with those basics is where I first like to go. Um, how about for, for you, whether it's like strength or running or maybe both? Um, I would add in, are you able to, especially working with primarily women yeah. And running. Um, if you don't have a gym, it's not, unfortunately, it's not safe to run alone in some places. So yeah. like, even if you want to run, you're not going to. So like, I went to Costa Rica a few years back. And I don't remember who told me whether it was my mom or like, I looked up online or something, but it was basically like, don't run on the roads because there aren't sidewalks and cars will run you over. So oh. That wasn't an option where we were in Costa Rica. <laughs> well, that's Luckily, that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had, I think we stayed in like a condo for a part of it. So there was a treadmill in a gym somewhere downstairs. So I had that option. But depending on where you're going, you might, you just might not have the option to even do for running specifically. Yeah. Get any runs okay. in. Um, and I think it depends. We take into consideration what kind of a trip it is. Cause like, one of my athletes just went to Yosemite and she was with her family and they were hiking like every day. So I was like, great if you want to get some runs in, but also you're going to be spending so much time on your feet that it's pretty applicable to running if you don't get any specific runs in. It's a so, great point. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. Like that consideration of what are, what's, what are your overall goals? You mm-hmm. know, talking about what phase are you in even and, are there ways where you can take the activity that's already part of the vacation and utilize that as a way to still put deposits? I call them deposits all the time. So still make deposits um, towards your goal. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a, that's a really good one, especially the time on your feet one. Uh, Because I, I do find that um, more and more, uh, folks are taking vacations that are very, very active, whether it's hiking or, you know, I've had tons of folks that have done the the theme park thing. So they're on their feet. So the steps and things like that. What was that? Was that a moth? Yeah. I'm not even going to try and play that off. Oh my God. It's still in here. Uh, Colorado is being infested by Miller moths right now. They're all over our house. I don't know how I got in this room. <laughs> That's wild. All right. I hate them. It's been like There's, a week of this. Is this, wait, this is like a big thing? This is a big thing. Colorado? Yeah. Like, um, apparently, it's like really bad this year. Um, huh. So like we have a front Yikes. door and then a back door that goes out to our deck. Yeah. Every time I open the back door, so there's the glass door and the screen door open the glass door and I look in like the door frame, there's like five moths up there every single time. It's disgusting. Yeah. I can see, I can see it. 
I can see it in your eyes right now. <laughs> Do you want to take a break to go try and kill it? I don't want to touch it. <laughs> okay. No problem. No, hopefully it won't come back over here. Ugh. I that saw it a... land on me in the video yeah. and I was like, oh no. Yeah, I thought I saw that, but I was like, oh no, maybe it's, oh no, based on her reaction, that's not something that should be there. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> All right. So anyway, what uh, were we talking about? <laughs> uh, something to do with training when you travel. Oh, uh, just activity. You're oh, getting yeah. in a decent amount of activity on the trip itself. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, I, I recently think about like the cruise that I was on there. Uh, one of the things that, that I made a, was a personal goal of taking the elevator only when mm. the folks that I was with were just like adamantly against taking the stairs for the most part, hmm. which I walked around a lot by myself too. So, I mean, those were days that um, even with like spending a decent amount of time, just kind of like chilling out and relaxing and at the port and different things like that. Yeah. Uh, we still were, you know, 15,000 steps on average. So that was no, no big okay. deal there. Um, so that level of activity, I think definitely makes a difference. Something that I think about too, when it comes to training, when you travel, for the most part, I try to remove any expectation that any of the workouts that are going to be done. So let's say we've made the decision to go ahead and lift specifically when we're traveling, remove any expectation that those particular workouts are going to be ones where we're also noticing progression from the previous week. So even though you may have access to the same dumbbell selection as you did before, very often the environment is just going to be different. Uh, time may be different. So available time for you may be different than what your normal time frame is. Your routine is also going to be different. I'm going to assume if you're on vacation, then you're doing vacation type activities. Mm -hmm. um, or even for my folks that travel very often for work work because I've got a handful of folks that right now are in like big time travel season. Mm -hmm. So um uh, even with that, they're needing to do like client dinners. They're out a little bit later than usual, um, different things like that. So if they've decided that they're going to train, I always try to remind them like, hey, the purpose of still lifting is to just really feel good about getting in purposeful movement that particular day. And set you feel like that sets you up for success to really nail the rest of your day, especially if they're on a, you know, if it's somebody who's traveling for work, if it's like a big work trip, they're good. Mm -hmm. They're dealing with a big client. Um, there's a big presentation. It's a big conference. Like I take, try to take those things into account, like what the mindset is going to be. So I don't need you to be stressed out about like, normally I do 35 pound dumbbells on this particular movement and they have forties, but the forties just didn't feel that I'm not concerned about all that. Like mm -hmm. we basically are, let's try to identify an RPE, a rate of perceived exertion for the total session. And I don't want you to actually be completely wiped out either. So, you know, let's, let's identify an RPE of somewhere in the six to eight range or just I'm just throwing out a number somewhere mm -hmm. in the six to eight range and then make that your goal for the whole training session. So I think that can be helpful too, when you're working with unfamiliar equipment too. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's a big one is make sure there's an understanding of what you expect from your training sessions when you're 
you know, bouncing around to different places that you don't normally train in. So I would definitely say, definitely say that. Yeah. If someone is, well, I guess another angle to tackle this from is if you can choose when you're traveling, sometimes I recommend when that should happen based on training cycles. So like Mm -hmm. if you want to go on, well, I guess I'm kind of a, no, I'm not. Uh, I was going to say I'm a good example, but I'm not. (laughs) Um, But like if you have a big race and then you want to go on vacation, it could be a good time to do it right after the race because depending on whatever your race is, you probably won't be running for at least a few days. And that's a really good time to just relax and recover and prioritize that, which is easier on vacation than in real life anyway. Um, Or another thing we'll do is try to either – plan the travel or switch up the training plan to make it so that the week, assuming it's only a week, obviously it gets a little different when it's multiple weeks. Um, but so that the week lines up with like a running down week. So that even if you were not traveling, you wouldn't be doing as much running anyway. So it like that kind of goes along with your lowering expectations. You're not expecting to do like a big training week regardless of where you are. And that can yeah. help people just be like, well, I'm in a down week anyway. So like if I miss this run, it's not a super big deal because I'm supposed to be recovering and not hammering myself. Yeah. I think you brought up some really good points from uh, from that standpoint of planning where possible. Yeah. Uh, when you've got when you've got options, planning it into your training cycle. And the first thing that that screams to me is deload. It's a fantastic mm-hmm. time. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic time for a deload. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's a great time to be able to refresh, recharge, and everyone deloads differently. Or I, I don't think there's one hard and fast way for everybody to deload. For some people, it may be, um, less sets and reps for some people, it may be same number of sets and reps, but lower weight. So you really significantly lower the RPE, uh, for some people it could be, only your main lifts and then that's it. And then I've also had some folks where it was really just the accessory work. So we removed all the compound lifts just because they, they tend to have difficulty like backing down the compound lifts to a lower, lower level of intensity. Mm -hmm. It's like, no matter how you program it, they see RPE five is like 500. So (laughs) it's just, all right, well, I'm just going to take I'm going to take that out completely and let's really just focus on the fine tuning with the accessory type pieces uh, because those typically can be a bit easier to recover from if you tend to overdo it versus like you went way heavy on the squat. So there, that wasn't really any sort of time off at any point. Uh, And then you can even go full deload where there's no resistance based training whatsoever. Uh, I think for, for the majority of the clients that I'm working with, we are somewhere in the area of we program a couple of sessions. So say on average, they're going on like a seven day vacation. So for the vacation crowd, uh, on average, we will throw in like, hey, here's two total body sessions. And if you want to get those in during that particular week, they basically, I call it like a back pocket strategy. So they've got it in their back pocket. And cool. You've got something because 
you never know the fitness center, quote unquote, fitness center at a hotel can be described as one thing. And it can be a very different thing when you get there. Uh, I re- recently, uh, what that was, was it? Like September. A year ago. Didn't you like post about that last year? Yeah. What man, would you your, do? Your memory. <laughs> I remember memory. I responded to it. <laughs> if it's, if it's the one that I'm thinking of, it was in late September. If it's the one that oh. I'm thinking of. Um, I thought that was because we took a trip for my wife's birthday. Well, I don't, Mm. you might be thinking of something that I'm not remembering though, too. No, I think I just don't know time. Okay. It's also almost June, which like, uh, it's almost a year ago at this point. Fair. Uh, The pictures on the website, I think this was the one because I think I posted. Yeah. So the picture on the website had this beautifully like laid out dumbbell rack and Mm -hmm. then a, um, a functional trainer cable machine. And then I got there and I think there were, this was supposed to be a rack of like five or tens through fifties. I think there were a total of seven dumbbells on the the rack. I think a total of seven dumbbells on the rack. And and maybe the pair was like a 15 pair of Mm 15s. And then the cable machine, the cables had been torn and were laying on the ground so there was no resistance to anything so yeah it was like best laid plans and so i walked on the the treadmill you know mm-hmm. which is fine it was totally fine um because for for myself training when i travel is just a part of my usual rhythm at this point we've got kids that are older they're 10 and 17 at this point so me getting up if we're all staying in the same room or something like that me getting up to go train is not not any disturbance to anyone Um, i purposely keep a membership for like a chain that has 24-hour gyms around the country i keep a membership Mm -hmm. for that specifically because if there's usually one within like a 10 to 15 minute drive or wherever we're staying um, because i can use the hotel gym is like a backup if I need to, but even recently went to Vegas at the end of January and ended up like there was a very nice hotel gym and I just didn't want to work out in the hotel gym. So just hopped an Uber and it was a 10 minute Uber to get to the, Hmm. to the fitness center. So again, though, back to deload, that can be a great time to deload, like a great time to deload. So yeah. That that would be my take my take on that, which I think is very similar or at least adjacent to what you mm-hmm. were talking about with getting an idea of where to plan, where to plan your vacation and different things like that. Yeah. Um, I will say a lot of runners, we do plan our travel based on races. So like my vacation might be traveling to this race to run this race. Ah, so you run the race and then you've got vacation afterwards or or a trip or before or, or if it's or like before yeah kind of depends hmm. uh i mean it depends where you're going so i've had athletes who like one athlete did the bryce canyon 50k last year so she did like a tour of utah the week before oh wow because she's from the east coast so it was like a bigger trip versus like me going to utah is like not as big of a thing because i can just drive over to that state um how long of yeah. a drive is that for you uh, depends where you're going. If we're going to Moab, it's like five-ish hours. Down to Bryce and Zion is like nine, I think. That's not bad at all. Mm-mm. Yeah. Clearly, don't don't know my my mileage and geography. <laughs> yeah, when I ran my first fifty k, it was at the north rim of the Grand Canyon, and my brother and I drove out across three days because it's like a twelve-hour drive. So yeah. we stopped at like 
just past Moab the first night, and then we stopped near Zion and Bryce and did some hiking around there, and then ended up in the Grand Canyon the next day. So. Yeah. Yeah, now that I think about it, when I did do Spartan races, I did a couple of those and planned those as like my brother lived in Charlotte, North Carolina at the time. So I did a couple mm-hmm. there, like just to have a different change of scenery and whatnot. And those are ones I actually did by myself too. So cool. just, yeah, just went out and it was a cool thing to do and then got to hang out with my brother for a while. So I I think that can, yeah, that can be a fun way to do it too, making fitness part of your your actual travel. I think yeah. that generally from from a vacation standpoint, that one I think doesn't feel but for the feedback that I've gotten from folks, whether they're like my one on one clients or if they're in any of my training groups, like the feedback that I've gotten is like the vacation part, it doesn't training on vacation doesn't feel how words are hard. The pressure to train while on vacation does not feel as strong mm-hmm. or there's not as much like internal struggle versus should I train or not when it comes to I consistently travel for work. Yeah. And I think that's a thing. And I think there's this this different mindset of, well, it's vacation and it's purposely time for me to relax and refresh in whatever way feels good to me. So it's almost like that's what it's there for versus mm-hmm. um, the feedback that I'll typically get is, well, you know, work, it's work travel. And I trap if we're if we're going to set a standard of any time that I travel for work, I don't work out, then I may not work out for half of the month, you know, that sort of a thing. So um, again, though, I think that one of the, so far, the feedback that I've gotten is that one of the most impactful tips is just to really level set what the expectations are of what your training is going to look like. Even for those folks who have, like I've got, you know, a gym membership that I can use while I'm on the road. It's still, sometimes the gym is going to be laid out a little bit different um, I've got to remember that just because my key card like says it's going to work there, I get there mm-hmm. at five in the morning and there's nobody there. Like I, it may or may not work. I don't have a way to you know get in. You know, different things can happen, especially with work trips. Like you end up being a little up a little bit later than you thought, or you know, a particular session was more draining and things like that. And I think it's it's all about at the end of the day remembering that if your goal is to get in purposeful, intentional movement, then what are other ways that you can do that? And then perhaps it leaves you a bit more refreshed when you do get back to your normal setting and then you can, you can make it happen from there. So those would be some of, some of my tips for mm-hmm. training and travel and training. Yeah. And I would add a third type of travel. It's the one where like you're going to family. So it's not vacation, but it's not work. But mm. you're usually more familiar with where you're going. So it's kind of like being in a second home. I have one of those coming up, actually. Oh, and yeah, fun. I've got that coming up in August. Uh, my dad, my dad's awesome. A, a couple of years ago, he uh, he set he sent me a text to uh, give me a heads up that he had gone and found a place for me to work out when I mm-hmm. came to visit this time around. Because I have, uh, they live in Alabama in Alabama and I, I have places that I can work out. I've got my membership at like this gym and different things like that. But he found this particular area not too far from the house. And I think he saw that it was like a particular fitness, whatever. So he, he texts me, you know, gives me details. Like I talked to the guy, he said it would be this much money and blah, blah, blah. And in my, he may listen to this. Uh, and I don't know, I'm not sure if I 
I don't think I told him in my head. I was like, huh, I wonder what kind of place he found. Cause mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not quite sure because that's not like f- working out and training and things like things like that is not something that I grew up around at all. So I was just kind of curious, like where, what, what, what is this place going to be like? Right. Mm-hmm. So, cause he's extremely well-meaning and he, he totally wants, he, he specifically was like, I want to make sure that you can continue the good work that you've been doing. And I was mm-hmm. like, man. Oh. So I'm thinking, okay, not sure what this place is going to be, but let me go check it out. This place is, has the best selection of equipment still hands down to this day of any gym that I've ever been in in my entire life. He found a diamond in the rough. Yes. It's an old furniture store. Um, It used to be a furniture store and the furniture store went out of business. So this guy who's been in the bodybuilding powerlifting world for like forever has amassed all this equipment. Mm -hmm. And so he's got like, it's just all spread out and it is any machine that you could potentially think of. It is there. And there's probably three of each of them. Whoa. There's like four different types of leg presses. There's a pendulum squat, which is very hard to find. I don't Uh, even know what that is. I I'd have, I'll text you a picture of it, but it's, 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 and dumbbells up to 135. Whoa. Yeah. Dumbbells up to 135. I mean, it's, the place is amazing. And uh, yeah, so hopefully they're still, you know, they're still open when I go in August, but that's a normal, like training, training is pretty normal for me when we go on like a family vacation to see my parents and stuff like that. Like that's a pretty regular, regular thing. And then they, um, they're in an area that I'm very comfortable just kind of walking around and things like that. And they live on somewhat of a, a little bit of a hill, like just a little bit Mm -hmm. of a hill. Um, so we'll get some movement in there. And then my son is going to be pretty active. He likes to play baseball and he likes to, you know, just run around backyard, stuff like that. So we'll end up being very, very active. So I think you, I'm glad you brought that up. The family vacation sort of thing too, because that could be different also. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anything we missed? I don't, I don't think so. I feel like we, um, we dug into pretty much everything, the two main topics that we wanted to talk about and then everything that was basically topic adjacent to that. Um, I will make a comment about the last thing on your list, tips for running in an unfamiliar area. Oh, so, yeah. What was I? Th- oh, I was thinking about that one in relation to running, especially. Yeah. So yeah. one thing is you could find a group to run with back to our earlier discussion of running groups, because then you'll be with people who know where they're going and you might feel safer with people. Um, if you have Strava, you can like look at their map and it shows you uh, where people run. So like the darker the line, the more common the path is. So that can be helpful. Or um, if you're staying in like a hotel or something, they might just know if you ask the staff, like, where is a good place to run? Where's a safe place to run? Obviously, depending on where you are. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's a, you know, maybe this could be a, a conversation for another episode of the Help Me Understand the Multifaceted Athlete <laughs> podcast is uh, a lot of this goes back to whether we're talking about the the gym intimidation run group intimidation thing um or training when you travel and things like that a lot of this goes back to something we talk about a lot 
in this space is advocating for yourself. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about, you know, in the gym, going up to the staff and asking or for assistance with, you know, where are these different things located? Or when it comes to like somebody interrupting your workout, Hey, I'm training right now and keep on going about your day. Or you're in a, a new area and you're trying to figure out like where, where are places that I can run and different things like that, you know, advocating for what your goals are and the things that people can and should assist you with. Like it, it is interesting to me sometimes that people don't want to ask the like hotel staff, for example, like concierges and things like that, like asking them for suggestions and, and, uh, different things like that, which then again reminds me too. I was on a trip. I remember going on a trip once and I was going to use the hotel gym mm-hmm. and the guy, there was a gym in the area, but I didn't, I didn't assume that it was open or anything. It was like not too far from the hotel. And the guy at the desk, I had asked him just a couple of questions about the hotel gym when I got there, just like, Hey, you know, is there a certain time I can get in there? Cause they're not all just key access 24 hours. Some of them you yeah. can't go in as before five and can't be there past 11 or whatnot. And he was like, Oh, well, are you, it's like, are you interested in, he's like, well, how often do you think you'd need to get use the gym and blah, blah, blah. And so I just talked to him for a couple of minutes and he's like, well, actually this gym over here, like on the other side of the street, they actually give us these passes, but nobody ever asks for them. So oh. yeah, it was like a pass with a key card and the whole nine. So he's like, you just sign it out and go work out at the gym and you just bring me the key card back. And I, I remember saying, well, what if, what if I'm using it and somebody else comes down here and they want to use it? He's like, man, it's been like two years. Nobody's asked for that. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, all right, all right, cool. Like that'll work. So yeah, yeah. You never know if you, yeah. if you speak up or just kind of let your, your interests be known, you never know what kind of doors can potentially open up for you. Cause keep in mind the people that you're talking to are like they're probably residents of the area or the yeah. city, at least that mm-hmm. you're staying in. I think sometimes people forget that it's like, no, you're the guest, not them. So yeah. they, they can probably, yeah, they could probably give you the lowdown, um, especially on things that are non-touristy mm-hmm. too. So yeah. that's a good, yeah, that's a good point that you brought up. And especially if you're concerned about safety, because normally they'll know like, yeah. don't, walk or run at night in this area um especially alone that kind of thing and if you do feel comfortable running alone i would suggest carrying pepper spray if it's legal in the state um or a personal alarm i carry a she's birdie it's just like a what a she's birdie it's just a personal alarm okay you pull the pin off and it's like it flashes and it's very loud so okay like it would get people's attention if someone is in the vicinity. If you're in the middle of nowhere, probably won't help you much. You probably okay. might want the pepper spray at that point. Um, it's a good call. But yeah, just like bring something that makes you feel safer. If you are yeah. running alone in a new place, especially as a woman, it's not really yeah. super safe for us out there. <laughs> good call. I, I think yeah. you and I talked about that once with the the headphones thing even too. Oh like yeah. Don't, more don't and wear more. the headphones. Well, there's Unless more and the more now. Air that have yeah there's more and more now that have um transparency mode mm-hmm. where it'll bring in the sounds of yeah. um of everything around you too so i think that's that's starting to become 
more of a regular thing, especially with Beats headphones, I want to say. I think yeah, Beats are doing that more them. consistently now. And then Sony is doing that too with their earbuds. Yeah. Um, Even so, I would strongly advise against wearing two earbuds because even if you can hear, like, just think about it. If you're looking for an opportunity as a predator, someone has two earbuds in, you don't know if they have transparency mode or not. You're going to still think they're a good target. Yeah, that's a good point. And a reminder that I don't spend most of my time in predator mode. So (laughs) that was helpful. That's a good Yeah, versus like good, it's been a I while wear, since I've been in that mode. So <laughs> I wear the bone conduction shocks ones. So it like yep. it looks like there's nothing in my ear. Like you can see I have headphones on, but you can see my ear is open. Yeah. So I, I'm not a predator either, so I don't know if a predator would be like she's less of a target than someone with two earbuds, but I would suspect. Like someone yeah. with two earbuds, I would think they're probably more oblivious than Solid someone point. with open ear. Very solid point. Yeah. Like like we just don't want to make ourselves any more targets than we need to be. Because, you know, we're already targets just as we are walking around in the world. Yeah. Which really kind of sucks. It does. Which really sucks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That, um, that was something that was a topic of conversation when I was doing my second round of 75 hard. This is like some years Mm -hmm. ago. It's been a couple of years since I did it. Um, in one of the groups that I was in, that was like a, a major concern that there was like just all this conversation around like safety when you're out and about um, because you've got folks that are trying to do, cause it's a program, you know, I won't go into all the details, but one of the workouts has to be an outside workout for 45 minutes. So routine. Two. Well, yeah, I'm saying one of oh. the workouts. Yeah. They one of them has to be. be? Nope. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I could go on a, that would for sure be an entire another podcast episode of how (laughs) something that I didn't have a negative experience with can be a very negative experience for other people because of how insane the, the translation of the program has gotten, I should Hmm. say, or the lifestyle has gotten. It's, it's like out of control to the point where people will question did the outdoor workout count if you wore a hat because it was raining? Cause you're not allowed to use an umbrella if it's raining. So why what? should you be able to wear a hat? Yeah. It's getting wild. It's getting Wait, wild. So I'm, can you yeah. wear a rain jacket? It depends on who you talk to. That seems too extreme. That's well, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. It's something that I, a friend and I, who we both did the first round together we mm-hmm. were saying we're glad that we did it before we became aware of all of the deep dark holes that people are going into with this particular thing because it's even like that that's the whole thing around programs or anything really anything that's designed with a all or nothing checklist type of thing like that's the yeah. thing that can make it um make it not a great thing for many people is because especially when there's nothing quote unquote official at all. Mm. So you then have people who will say things like, well, you wore a hat and you're not supposed to do like if you, you're the outdoor workout doesn't count if you do it on your front porch with an awning. What? <laughs> well, it doesn't because you're covered from the elements. Cause the whole point because it, oh, it's you're essentially supposed to be hard. You're supposed. You're, 
you're supposed to be in the elements. So it'd be the same uh-huh. thing. I am moving right past that one. Um, it's the same thing as if you were in a garage. So how is that any different than being in a garage with the garage door open? If you're supposed to be outside for, for anybody who's listening to this and it's like, JK, why are you such a 75 hard diehard? I'm not, I'm, I'm someone who is, who can very, I, who I feel like can very well represent both sides of an argument in this case. Cause I've also, I've done the program and I've also chatted with multiple people who I was like, you, you have no business even trying to do that. Mm-hmm. So I've, I'm on both sides. I can see both sides of it. Um, so yeah, that would be the thing though. If it's supposed to be outdoors, you're always mm-hmm. supposed to choose the thing that is more difficult to do. So there's even, I mean, I've run across like, well, it is, well, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be exhausting because that's appealing to me. Yeah. And, (laughs) and the response that you will get is that's why it's not made for everybody. And that's kind of the whole, that's the argument that you will get is nobody said it's an, it's an inclusive thing. It's not for everyone. It's not supposed to be for everyone. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Then do do the people who do this do they think they're better than people who don't? Depends on who you talk to, because I I definitely can't I I won't speak for other people. That's fair. So obviously, like I'll I'll share like, hey, these have been the observations that I've gotten from other people. These are the perspectives that I've gotten from other people. Um, I won't speak for other people. Um, yeah. So I'll just I'll I'll say that for sure. It just it's. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting, um, it's an interesting example of how something can start off one way and then go be morphed into something. I'm not going to say different or not what it was intended to be, but it, when it goes like unchecked and it's not specific, then people are going to do with it what they want to do. I think the same thing about Facebook. Oh, because how did Facebook, from my understanding, like when I first became aware of Facebook, yeah, it was, you had to be in college and it was only, it was for people in college yeah. to connect, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Because I remember when I first heard about it, like I didn't join Facebook until two, I remember it was the year that I got married because somebody was like, hey, we're trying to tag you and your wife in this photo we took at your wedding. And I was like, tag, when you say tag, what do you mean? <laughs> I definitely sounded like out of touch mm-hmm. <laughs> and this was 15 years ago. Um, so, you know, it started off as connecting for college students. Yeah. What is it now? It's, it's totally different, right? It because, is totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's grown and people have decided to do what they're going to do. Like it can be, it can be a great way to stay connected with friends and family. And it can also be a way to make you feel like society is just going to hell like tomorrow it just kind of depends and i think that that program can have the same sorts of of reactions that's why i don't think Mm. it's not built for the majority of people and that's always the argument that you're going to get from the the diehards is Mm. is yeah well it's not it's not for you so your opinion doesn't matter anyway you know okay so question about the diehards okay from often, from my perspective. From your perspective. How okay. often do they do this? Do the program? Yeah. Uh depends. Like- I mean, that's my answer to everything. Like it depends on the <laughs> depends on the person. It's not unheard of for someone to 
do the entire what's called like the live hard program, which is where you do 75 hard. Mm -hmm. And then there are three phases. I want to say after that you do phase one, phase two, phase three, these, each of those phases is like a different amount of time, but mm -hmm. there's different things that get added on in each of those phases. I'm not here to speak for 75 hard. So I'm just remembering like from what I can recall. So it's like when you do 75 hard, you've got the, I think it's five tasks. So you've got, mm -hmm. I guess we're just going to go there, you know? Yeah, we're going like to do it. If it's a seven hour episode, it is what it is. <laughs> Maybe you can do a part one and two. I don't know, whatever. Um, so you've got five tasks. Mm -hmm. um, one of them, these are in no particular order. Take a progress photo every day. Um, drink a gallon of water every day. Mm -hmm. uh, follow a diet that you do not cheat on. And that, that diet can have no cheat foods or anything like that. So no cheat meals. Are there guidelines on what a cheat meal is? No. So, sorry, I'm interrupting. Hold on. Let me get, let me get the rest of them. <laughs> okay. So what did I do? I did. Okay. So there's um, take a progress photo. There is drink one gallon of water. There's follow a diet, no cheat meals, mm -hmm. um, consume no alcohol, uh, work out two times a day. Each workout must be a minimum of 45 minutes each. They cannot run concurrent. It's suggested that there's two to three hours at least between the two workouts. Mm -hmm. One of them needs to be outside. Hmm. And then the last one is read 10 pages of a nonfiction self-development book every Ew, day. No. And so the way that it rolls is you do those things for 75 days straight. Mm -hmm. uh, if you miss any one of those tasks on any day, then you start over from day one. So until you hit all of those tasks, 75 days consecutively, you have not completed the 75 hard portion. So the, the, um, the way it's advertised is that it is a mental, a mental toughness challenge like a way to build mental toughness so there are other ways perhaps there are just go run an ultra you're you're saying these things as if i'm going to argue <laughs> with you <laughs> like i'm gonna argue with you i'm i'm saying uh i mean for context when i decided to do it the first time around it wasn't to develop these particular skills or anything yeah. When I decided to do it, uh, I felt like I had a pretty decent handle on my, my habits. Like mm -hmm. I felt like, I felt like I'm a reasonably, uh, disciplined person. And this was back in, I want to say it was 2019 because I oh. think I finished. Yeah. It was late. This is pre-pandemic? Yeah. Because I finished, it was late 2019 almost positive because I've done it twice. So mm -hmm. I think I finished right in February because I finished like on the day of my daughter's birthday in 2020, if oh. I remember correct. Yeah, if I remember correct. So my reasoning for doing it initially was I feel like I've got most of these things in some way, shape or form, like these particular things are part of my life. It would be interesting to test. Mm-hmm how like how consistently 
which really it was how perfect can I be? Yeah. Really for 75 days with these things, because I, I, I drink a lot of water, but do I really drink a gallon? I read occasionally, but do I read 10 pages? I, for the most part, have a healthy relationship with foods that move me towards my goals versus foods that maybe kind of slow things down a bit. And I really don't care because I really enjoy the food. Mm -hmm. So it was one of those like, okay, well, what, you know, what, what would it be like to test those? So Mm. that's why I initially, I initially did it. Now I had to go, I didn't have to. I decided to redo the program because some months after finishing the program, more, uh, so Andy Frisella, who created the program, started doing more like podcast talks and things like that Mm. about the program and started to, I'll say, clarify certain rules of the program. So for example, like you were asking about the diet part, Mm -hmm. like follow a diet or follow a style of eating, whatever. And he was like, you know, one of the first things that he said, he's like, all you macro counters out there, like, this is not an excuse for you to just fit in whatever you want to eat, blah, blah, blah. And he specifically said something about like chips. And I definitely ate like, um, those brown chips, like the brown tortilla chips or whatever. Oh yeah. Were were part of like what I had put in my plan. So I was just like, uh, you know, it wasn't awful. So I can do the program again. So I did it again. Mm this time like per the stricter yeah yeah definitely stricter but the time that it's interesting though i had hired a coach after doing 75 hard the Mm -hmm. first time around and i hired my coach not thinking i was going to do it again and god bless him because basically i was like oh by the way i'm going to do this program again like after i'd already hired him like a a nutrition coach so i was like so basically i just need you to focus on making sure i don't lose any weight i didn't want to lose weight at all Mm. And it was, I was like, no way I, I want to, he's like, well, you're going to be getting in a lot more activity. I didn't work out every, I didn't resistance train every single day. There were some days where I walked twice. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. Yeah. But that was the whole thing. I was like, I'm, I, I'm not here to lose weight. So he's like, well, all right then I, and I, I would not, I'd already signed up for like a year of mm-hmm. coaching. So unfortunately, like he just had to deal with the fact that I decided I was going to do 75 hard, which is not part of the, not part of the deal, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Interesting. We definitely did not have 75 hard on the list here. No, I'm just very intrigued by it. Yeah. I've never done it clearly. Yeah. I, I don't, like I said, it's it's not intended to be for everybody and I don't um I think that if you are looking to be someone who's establishing sustainable habits I don't think it's really a helpful way to go. I think if you are somewhat similar to the mindset that I had going into it where for the most part you're you've got all of these things in place already and you're just looking for it as a way to test certain things okay, I mean, you can give it a shot, but I would not do it as a way to try and also, you know, have it coincide with a a fat loss cycle or anything like that. Like, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be my recommendation, especially somebody who is in the, in this space of helping people obtain sustainable, sustainability, like the, 
testing, it, it's a great way to test things that you feel like you already have in place, or it, it can be a great way to test mm -hmm. things that you already have in place. It basically would be like your version of saying to somebody like, I don't, they, somebody comes to you and they're like, I don't run much. I'd like to get started with running. Mm -hmm. And you're like, cool. So what we're going to do is let's run an ultra every month. That's, that's really the equivalent of what it would be. Yeah. Versus if somebody came to you and they're like, Hey, I have a, a history of these particular events and different things like that. And you're like, okay, well maybe we can set a stretch goal of let's see if you could run two ultras in a year. Or I'm just, you know, coming up with something that's like that yeah. next level. Like you could run a 5k of this, a, that of half a full a ultra, and then all the way back and an Ironman all in one year or something like that. But they'd have to have a very established base to do that. And the yeah. many of the people that I interact with and observe who are attracted to 75 hard don't have a base. Interesting. They don't, they don't, yeah, they don't have a base. They're looking for the program to provide them with, oh. yeah. So like setting them up. So then, yeah. So the, the perfection becomes their standard of, oh. of what the foundation is. Yeah. So if your foundation is running an ultra every month and you can say as much as you want, like, well, no, I'm just using this to, you know, just kind of get me motivated and whatnot. Okay. So say you get great results doing 75 hard. You started from zero. You did 75 hard. You got great results. Cool. When you, when you go to real life mm -hmm. for the next 75 days and then your results are not the same, you're automatically going to think, okay, well, I need to go back to doing that thing that gave me the results the first time around. And then it's just this vicious cycle of doing it over and over again. So. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of fad diets. That That's a totally different podcast episode. <laughs> we should cover that on the next one. Yeah. All right. I, just, I do have I don't to like. Wrap, yeah, I know. We've been talking for two hours. <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah. 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 Um, Anything you want to leave the listeners with? Uh, if you've, hey, if you stuck around this long, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> what do you say? Like, hey, this is a good one for your long run. There it we is. Go. It'll be a perfect one for a long run. Yeah. Now for my crowd, I may have a few runners in the crowd. Uh, this is one for a road trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Or it could be if you have a decent commute to and from somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. I like longer format stuff. Um, yeah, I like longer form stuff. So, Me too. Especially Apple Podcasts. There's no rhyme or reason to what they play next. And you can only queue up one, as far as I know. Someone tell me if I'm wrong. Oh, so I get really see, annoyed I... like on a long run if I don't have things that are long enough because I can only queue up two podcasts and then it's just like, your data's not turned on. I can't play this. I'm like, yeah, because I don't want you using all my data. Oh, I Play what I have yeah. downloaded. I primarily use Spotify, primarily for mm -hmm. podcasting and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, well, anyway, this was great. Yeah, we should do it again sometime. <laughs> yeah, uh, we always say that we will do it again sometime. We will. Yeah, we will do it again sometime. Yeah. Cool. Cool.